that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Good afternoon and welcome to the race hour. Uh, as you'll no doubt already be aware, this is not Dean Ryan and the host share instead. You've got me, Darren Hughes, and I am joined as ever by Dermot Nolan, but I am first of all going to go to the very much informed Paddy Aspel after his five winners on last week's podcast. And uh, Paddy, you had a comment there to wish best wishes to our stricken host, uh, Dean Ryan. Yeah, well, obviously, best wishes to Dino. Um, very sad to hear that, but like I did mention to you boys beforehand, unfortunately, now I think he'll have similar taste in both smell as to what he's got in, in the old football team. So not nothing <laughs> happening across the board for a little while, but, um, you know, maybe the, the taste in, in football teams will come back and, and he mightn't get the others at all. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Dermot, we go to you. How are you? Well, it wasn't a bad weekend's racing all round. Uh, so some points and notes to talk about. How are you keeping? All good, man. All good. Yeah, no, it was a quality weekend racing. Uh, we're kind of getting towards the point now of uh, of the, the runners at the weekends not being pointers towards Cheltenham. This might be the last weekend, but generally this weekend is not a good gauge towards Cheltenham. But we're uh, we're getting there slowly. But surely we're only, only three and a half half weeks away now, Darren. That's it, exactly. And sure, look, with that, we'll, we'll, we'll move on into the weekend review because... There certainly was at least one horse or, or two horses last weekend who we're going to start off with who, who certainly will hope to at least have a say at Cheltenham. And we'll go first of all to, to Brave Man's game. Uh, Dermot, I'm going to go to you first. Some people are a small bit underwhelmed. Some people said, you know, maybe it was a sign of the resurgence of the Paul Nichols Yard who'd gone through a bit of a cold spot. Other people kind of somewhere in the middle between the two. What did you make of the performance? I was really impressed with it. Uh, I think the only way that you cannot be impressed with it is if you've had an anti-post uh, poke um, on Gallop and Deschamps or something like that, which I find just just really does shroud people's reactions to uh, to races. Braidman's game here gave £16 away and forget my um, my near uh, obsession at this stage with uh, Pat's Fancy, even a line through Grumpy Charlie in third and everything else. He's given £16 and to be honest, Darren, he laughed at them. Um, and that was with the other horses from Paul Nichols's yard didn't run that well either. So, like, that's a monstrous performance. Before the race, I was always saying that the, I couldn't get the image of Bob Ollinger just going past him like he wasn't there out of my head. But looking at it now, the way he, he performed that day, I mean, Paul Nichols turned top of the game into a Coral Cup second into an RSA winner. Um, and Brave Man's game doesn't have that much improvement up at three miles. Three miles is definitely his trip, but just his jumping is just amazing. Um, and as good, I will stick with the line that I said that Galloping de Champs' beginner's chase performance was the best I've ever seen in a beginner's chase first time out. But Brave Man's game has really closed that if there was any difference between him. And I, like, I think we're looking at a, a one hell of a race at Cheltenham. And regardless of the Ireland v, v England kind of rivalry, if you can even call it that, this is another race. If Gallop and Deschamps does go up and trip, um, is looking like an absolute belter. If he goes down and trip, he's he's facing his Bob Ollinger as well. So it's it's perfectly poised, Darren. And it looks uh, he he now to me looks like an absolute machine. But just um, on on Pat's fancy, I won't I won't go on too long. I was delighted with that run in second as well. Um, I'm not sure that there's too many horses in that. Uh, 
National Hunt Chase who would get 16 pounds and and beat Brave Man's game. I think it's a very poor poor race this year. If I think he'll have them in trouble with his jumping two out, he jumped with Brave Man's game the whole way along, which is a great sign of it. And that track would not have suited him. Um, I think Pat's fancy will have them in trouble two out. But if the likes of Statler and Run Wild Fred are near him turning in, they'll probably beat. Pat's fancy but it's just been a really fun season following him Darren he's been an absolute revelation as well but the race was all about Brave Man's game and I think we are looking at something quite quite brilliant there as well you know yeah certainly not the only one of that few he is of course uh, 9-4 to four for the Festival Novices Chase with our sponsors Fansbet who I did forget to give credit to they opened the show so apologies to them but 9-4 to four with them for the Festival Novices Chase Paddy I'll move to you um, do you echo Dermo's thoughts there? What What did you think uh, about the performance? Very, very hard to crib, uh, to be honest, Darren. And you just look at that sort of compilation that they put together on, on Racing UK of just every one of his jumps on the way around. You know, for a horse that's got so much size and stature about him, he looks an absolute pleasure to ride because he can go both ways. Obviously, he's got the size to be very scopy, but I've never seen or very rarely you see a horse so big and scopy as him to be so clever on his feet. I mean, that fourth last, the camera angle, the way it sort of, you get to see them jump the fourth last on that side on angle. He was really running at that fence and he got in so deep. I mean, he kicked the bottom board and plenty, I think, would have been right on the nose there or, or perhaps even have fallen. He's so good. It wasn't even really a resemblance of a mistake. I think he's just a complete natural. So... Even if it turns out, to be honest, Darren, that there might be a better horse in the race on the day, they'll struggle to match his jumping, which obviously is a real, real asset to have. Um, so for me, off the back of a display like that the other day from a yard who we have, we did have our worries about, that was certainly a real, real taking effort, giving weight all round. And you've got to take your hat off to Paul Nichols because I'd say he was a fairly nervous man driving to Newbury the other day now. Very much so, yeah. I think, as I said last week, very brave call to uh, to run Brave Man's game, um, given the yard form and to run him in a handicap as well, which you just don't see these days. So, kudos to uh, to Paul Frank Nichols, uh, as always, one of those characters in the game that uh, that tends to stand his ground and kind of do things a little bit outside the box. Uh, I suppose another one of the other great performances of the weekend, as far as I was concerned, anyway, was was Edward Stone. And, I'll take the lead here on this. I, I really thought this was very, very good. Um, I thought the only semblance of a mistake was at the fifth. Uh, he won his race between fences eight and nine and ten. He was like lightning over them. Quicksilver could just absolutely went over them like like, like gold dust. Uh, I just the way he goes about his race, he gradually turns the screw throughout. The race. It's a sight to behold. Like, and look, Summer Crib in his form in races uh, that have involved Irish horses in the past. And I do understand that to some uh, to some degree, but I, I don't think the, the criticism actually stands up to any scrutiny whatsoever. Uh, if you actually look at it, the races where he's finished behind Irish horses have been in Shishkin Supreme. That's not really that bad a form, I don't think. And then in massive handicap hurdles, where he lumped around 11 stone plus and often was actually top weight, was never beaten more than five or six lengths. So it's not like, you know, he was getting kicked out of the way by Irish horses. And even at that, you're going to rate his chances in an article based on Sardis form is a bit silly as he's subjected to be a stone or a stone better horse over a fence. But more to the point, there isn't actually a tip top herder in the Arkabet that he's going to come up against. Like, as in this time last year, Blue Lord and Riviera de Tell certainly weren't top of their class in, uh, in, in novice hurdles. Like, Blue Lord is probably 
20, 25 lengths off, appreciated, etc. So I, I, I wouldn't be as quick to knock him here. I think he's definitely a worthy favourite for the arch. I think he'll take a very, very good one to beat him. His jumping is just tip top, more kind of like Brave Man's game as well. So that's my little soliloquy on Edward Stone done. If either of you lads have any disagreement, feel free to jump in. But I thought it was very good. I think I, I thought he was brilliant. Uh, I know what you say about him turn, turning the screw. He's a really enjoyable horse to watch go, go through a race, but. Yeah, I can't get away, Darren, still from the fact that the hurdlers were the only hurdler that looked like he could possibly turn that around last year was Brave Man's game because I thought he got a, an awful fright, I think, when he got passed by Bob Ollinger last year. But the rest of them, like in handicap hurdles, in everything, they were just kicked out of the way so far. So whilst he could have improved that much, I understand if you're on a bigger odds, but at those odds for an, an Arkle with his back form, uh, as good as he's been, he's still beating the likes of Third Time Lucky, who again was kicked out of the way last year, um, and finished sixth in a county hurdle. Like, like it, it's just it's even Blue Lord and Riviera to tell. I'd have that that level of form above them, um, regardless of how how lucky Blue Lord was that day. Um, so whilst um, Edward Stone has been a pleasure to watch, my God, he's been brilliant. But yeah, I think at Cheltenham, I, I think he. If he goes off favourite, I think he'll be one of the most vulnerable favourites of the week, to be honest. We'll be muting you for the rest of the podcast, Dermot, if you keep up that carry on. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving swiftly on, we'll actually stick with you, Dermot, for, for a journey with me before we move on to Paddy, who can discuss the glut of winners that he tipped at the weekend. But what did you make a journey with me, Dermot? Uh, near enough, the, the front of the market now, aside from Sir Gerhard, um, for the Ballymore um Journey with me is four to one. Obviously, I, I could give a quick rundown of the betting with fans bet. Sir Gerhard six to four. This is all non runner, no bet. Dice or Dynamo two to one. Constitution Hill nine to four. Journey with me four to one. John Bond nine to two. Ginto nine to two. It's kind of sixes. A bigger the rest after that. Kind of a few non horses that are unlikely to run here. So if the four to one might be fair to some people. What do you think? Yeah, this is a cracking race. Uh, Dean Ryan would be on this podcast now, and he'd be he'd be he'd be all over talking about John Bond nonstop. Uh, he's absolutely cracked about this horse. Um, just to say as well, just with a few of the fans bet offerings before we go, fans bet are now non runner no bet for all races at the at the Cheltenham Festival, which is obviously brilliant. Uh, fans bet also this weekend. Uh, you can win two hundred and fifty pound. Uh, by picking the winner of three races. In the Reynoldstown Chase, in the Grand National Child Chase, which is a two forty at Haydock, and in the Ascot Chase, which is a three fifty, there was only one winner of this last week who took the two hundred fifty pounds. So the two hundred fifty pound has to be won. Just check out the race our Twitter page for that, and then of course on Sunday we will also have our uh, our fifty pound free bets like we have every week to give away. So fans bet have a plethora of offerings here, especially the non runner no bet all races now at Cheltenham Festival for. Obviously, um, the horse racing is for UK customers only. Um, this race, Darren, yeah, like I have a problem with the front four, all of them, really. To be honest with you, like I, I Darren, an awful lot of people here are cribbing uh, what Journey with Me did last weekend, and I think it's kind of over the top. Um, Rachel Blackmore was very clearly trying to get this horse into that race and trying to bury him and get him to learn to settle, which he did. He settled perfect. The pace was farcical, as Henry de Brom had said himself. The horse then had to quicken up. That race was over three mile, two miles three. He'd be racing over two miles five at Cheltenham in the Ballymore. The negativity for me was over the top. He was giving weight away to the horse in second. The form isn't anything special. And of course, you prefer him to be more impressive. But at Christmas time, he was very impressive. Uh, he'll stay all day because, Darren, I think one of the biggest misnomers and really crock of shit there is in horse racing is the um, 
is this thing about the Ballymore horses needing to be speedy horses. It's nonsense. Um, there's there's been one or two champion hurdle horses down through the years. The rest of them are are basically stayers. And Faheen, before he won the champion hurdle, he won over two miles seven at Limerick. He was just a freak. So whilst Journey with me, you would have preferred to have seen a bit more return of foot. He still went away from him at the end. An extra furlong there, he, he would have hammered him. Um, so yeah, I was not as negative as others. The price is a bit short, but I think he'll drift it as soon as other horses um, start to declare where they're going. The likes of Jinto and Sir Gerhard, who I, who I'd expect to be short price on the day. But Journey with me, Darren, yeah, he was uh, he he impressed me anyway. Happy days. Okay, well, it's a, yeah, there was as I said, sort of mixed reaction to to his performance but i'll tell you what there certainly wasn't a mixed reaction to it's a uh, paddy price wise aspel's performance at the weekend where he seemed to nearly go through the card so paddy we're going to come to you yet el dorado alan fernambul civila barrowdale you can discuss all three of them none of them what do you think what did you think what did you make of each performance yeah we had a bit of luck thank god um for a change anyway but i don't know last week it was just a bit they were a bit easier to find i thought because we had one or two you'd say relatively relatively unexposed individuals the bringing water is trained by a fella in samuel Drinkwater, lads who i think is a very very switched on trainer this was a real nice winner because it was owned by his his wife karen Drinkwater. so real nice to win a good prize here i thought was was given a real good ride by sammy twiston a coeur de leon ran an absolute screamer in second under 10 stone four because under under tom bellamy he was always just doing enough the whole way and luckily my lad settled that bit better and just came and done him up the run in but budge finished for the first four and they were absolute mild clear of the rest but yeah n- real nice winner for the team absolutely yeah he did it well as right um sam was at his uh, sam was at his very best and we'll just touch on one more then before we move on to our uh, our look at the Cheltenham novice hurdles which was your nap of the weekend actually barrowdale who probably went off a bigger price maybe than uh than we would have expected when we were doing the show on Thursday we had no prices at that point um, I suppose there was a gamble on another horse that didn't run his race but very hard not to be impressed with this too Daddy Oh yeah wide margin winner in the end wasn't he and I'd say probably there was a bit of value about him Darren simply because he was in against some opposition here who had a good bit more experience than him and handicap experience also but the fact that this chap was a very, very good winner of his point for the Bo- or for the Mick Winters team. And on both starts at Bangor, he was doing things upside down. He was far too free and keen, but he was still running quite nicely. Now, I hadn't seen him for a few weeks. And then he arrived to your talkster the other day with the hood on. So I was just getting the impression that they were keeping him a maiden company. They'd taken their time at him at home to try and get him to settle that bit more. And if the hood had the desired effect... I just thought he was the best horse in the race if he if he could overcome the experience. Now, in the end, he's absolutely kicked them out of the way. But I think the biggest angle here is just the Brian Hughes factor because he's going to go to the bread and butter meetings because his agent, Richard Hale, is absolutely determined to get him to the 200 winner mark. So he's going to avoid the bulk of the big gigs to try and pack out uh, each one of his meetings with quality over quantity um so uh, that, that's probably a big steer for me and when i've been having some bets lately with brian hughes because you'll notice as well he's riding for plenty of trainers now he doesn't normally ride for but another good day you talk sort of being one of them 
Absolutely, a man in demand is Brian Hughes, uh, my namesake, unfortunately, no relation, but uh, riding out of his skin at the moment. So we'll move on now, gentlemen. Uh, we're going to have a sort of preview of sorts of the festival. Uh, this week, we're going to cover the Novice Hurdlers, so that's the Supreme, the Ballymore, and the Albert Bartlett. Um, as we kind of would, as most listeners would be aware, there seems to be, there's a lot of crossover between the betting of certainly the, the Supreme and the, and the, uh, and the Ballymore. It's a kind of game of where is Willie or who's Willie going to, where's Willie going to put which horse and even Nicky Henderson has a couple of options there as well and that's before we even talk about the rest of the field so look at we will start off with the supreme and Dermot I'm going to come to you first or I'll just I'll, I'll spin down to the prices first before coming to you it's a Constitution Hill two to one Sir Gerhard five to two Dicer Dynamo eleven to four John Bond four to one Hyde Piper fifteen to two, Kilcrut seventeen to two, Mighty Potter eleven to one, and it's twelve to one bar. From that's not non runner no bet with fans, but from those odds there, Dermo, do you think is there a bet in this juncture at this juncture in the spring? Uh yeah, I do. Um the I've no interest in getting into kind of which one of the William Mullins horses will run here for, for what it's worth. I think Dysart Dynamo will run here and Sir Gerhard will go up and trip. But look, again, Agreed. that's you know that. each day of the week. Each day of the week, I'd say that that changes, you know. Um, but I just think that the front four in the market, there is like Constitution Hill reminds me of Spirit Sun back in 2011. That when the gun is put to his head, like it was with Spirit Sun, I'm just not sure that he'll know what to do. The form of the races he's been winning took an awful thumping last week as well. Like Jatai was last in that bet for Hurdlock of America in the one thirties. Now I know he hammered him and good horses can win bad races, but still I just, as much as he's a brilliant horse, I just would worry about him at this juncture. Um, Sir Gerhard, his jumping again was an amazing performance at the Dublin racing festival himself and three star life were so far clear of everything. It was amazing. But again, I'd be worried about this horse's jumping. Dysart Dynamo has been electric. I've been a big fan of him. I, I put him up at the start of the season for, the Ballymore uh, more so than the Supreme but was I think he will run here I, I, I'd worry about him doing a bit too much early and then John Bond I'd worry about him having having run his race before the start as good as he is so whilst Dean Ryan will be cursing and blinding at home now because he's all over John Bond but I'd be worried about him kind of doing far too much so I just kind of like the Alpha Off and the piece for me is kind of Mighty Potter back at 2011, Alfaroff was the one who was able to run over the top of them and he knew exactly what to do because he'd been through proper hardened battles and Mighty Potter for me has been exactly that this season. Uh, he will adore Cheltenham, he will eat the hill. He was he did all his best work in those last few furlongs at uh, at Leperstown at Christmas. I think he's a few lengths better horse than Three Star Life, which brings him right into this off that Dublin Racing Festival form. Uh, as I said, if he's five or six lengths down turning in, I think he will devour the hill. I think there is a chance the rest of them could kind of weaken each other. And I think he could pick up the pieces laid on. The fast pace in that race will really suit him. So at this juncture, Darren, at 11 to 1 with uh, non-runner, no bet with fans bet, I do. I really like Mighty Potter. Yeah, very highly regarded in the in the Elliott Yard is, is Mighty Potter. So you certainly wouldn't be alone in thinking that. Paddy, I'll move to you. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the race? I suppose it's, as I said initially, it's kind of a game of who's going where. Uh, it's different form lines here. It's, it's, it's probably hard, hard enough race to get a gauge on for many people. What are your thoughts? Yep, but you know we're going to have that across the board, aren't we? What what's going to turn up? Um, but you've got to factor that in. I think it's part of the excitement, lads, isn't it? Really. Um, but 
I suppose Constitution Hill, when you look at the prices, the fact of the matter is it's going to be, you'd imagine, drying ground. And he's got to tick the box of going the other way around. He's yet to go left-handed, lads, you know. And if you were taking that sort of price about him, you'd be worried that that box hasn't been ticked so far, considering the opposition he's taken on. I think Dysart Dynamo is just an absolute brute. You know, he's only turned six-year-old. And I think we've yet to see how good he is. Of course, there's been once or twice where races have looked like they've just absolutely fallen asunder behind him. But now, why have they fallen asunder? I mean, is it because he's that good? I'd like to think so. Uh, I think he represents great value at three to one. With John Bond, I think your faith, obviously connections are going to make every effort to try and keep his lid on. It's the first race of the festival. It's I'd say if connections are looking to go somewhere else with them, that would be their biggest reason. They'd maybe like to be somewhere where there's going to be a little bit less pressure and atmosphere because there's no doubt he is a little bit of a boy beforehand. But in his races, once it, once the tapes go up, can't fall jump on. You know, he's been the absolute professional, but it's trying to keep the lid on. I think maybe by the time you're at the start and jockeys are getting sorted out, you'll probably have a fair idea maybe how he's going to run, how he's handling preparations. But for me... And what I've seen so far, Darren, Dysart Dynamo, I'm really, really struggling to pick holes in him. And I'd be far happier with him at round about three to one. But this is it's red hot stuff, and so it should be. Fortunately, I couldn't be more with you, Paddy, so much so. I'm actually in the office here. I actually walked down at lunchtime to a shop on Baggett Street and struck a bet on Dysart Dynamo. Not too many three to one shots I'd back uh, for Cheltenham at this time of year. But, um, you know, even if you look at. In fact, he's running the Moscow Flyer. Last nine winners, Willie's had four. All four went off favourite for the Supreme. Three of them actually went on and won. Uh, he reminds me very much of Autour. He's another horse who, who went on and won from the front in, in a Supreme. Went off seven to two. When you look back at that race, you'd wonder how. But I, I couldn't be more in agreement with you. I, I genuinely make him. I actually make him a little bit shorter than a two to one shot uh, in, in this race as it stands. So. We shall see as the weeks go on. But that's not his only potential target. And we'll move on to the Ballymore, where, of course, Dicer Dino is also entered, but the odds are a small bit different here, as it looks like his stablemates or Gerhard might be aimed here. So he is the 6-4 favourite with um, with fans bet. Um, Non-runner, no bet, of course, this market. Dicer Dynamo himself, then, is 2-1. to one. Constitution Hill is 9-4. to four. The, the aforementioned Journey With Me is 4-1. to one. John Bond is 9-2. to two. Ginto is 9-2. to two. Manella Kapuna is 6-1. to one. And it's sort of sevens and bigger the rest could be a load of horses that might not necessarily show up here. So, Paddy, I'll, I'll stick with you. Um, what would actually show up in this race, do you reckon, of, of the horses we've mentioned? Uh, and who do you fancy? Well, very difficult to crib the bulk of these at the head of the market. Jinto, real, real, still an unknown quantity. And I think he's not let anybody down along the way, taking a fair few scalps. But... Dermo with Manella Kakuna for the Dublin Raceville Festival and I mentioned to you guys on the pod last week about I did think he got one of the rides of the Dublin Race Festival but nonetheless I think the best horse still won on the day and I really like the confidence that Willie had afterwards that this horse wasn't going to come back and trip despite David or Danny Mullen saying that he could well do but the fact is he's got a bit of pace for a horse that stays but more so, he's so rapid on his feet, despite being a little bit keen and forward going. I just think he really helps a jockey out. He's ticked the box going left-handed. And despite doing plenty early doors with 
the jockey at the Dublin Racer Festival, I did like the way he hit the line and took some scalps that day and still early days for Manella Kakuna and I don't know, to me he just excites me. He could be really good. Yeah, absolutely. He's in the horse, I suppose, but with alternative targets. But if he was to show up here, he'd be he'd be very interesting. Uh Derma, we'll go to you now. Um what do you reckon in terms of how will this race end up shaping up? Obviously Nikki has both Constitution Hill and John Bon in here. Same with Willie uh, for Sir Gerhard and Dicer Dynamo. Um, who'll run? Who won't run? Who do you fancy? What what, what way do you see the race um, turning out? Yeah, this is um, there's definitely not a bet. I don't think at this juncture because like I'd be with Paddy. I think Manelli Kakuna should run here. Uh, I think he was tying up at the end at um, at Leperstown. I think that this race would really suit him with the hill and everything else. I, I, I think stepping back a furlong for him for this race compared to the race at. Um, at Leperstone would really suit. I think going up to a, an Albert Bartley, which I think Willie seems to be swaying towards, would uh, definitely wouldn't. I don't think it suits him. Um, I think he'd absolutely adore this. But anyway, uh, there's no point trying to get into the head of uh, of Willie Mullins. Uh, Sigmund Freud couldn't sort that out. But um, <laughs> Sir Gerhard at six to four. Um, if you were really fancied him, and if you had any sort of a proper gauge that he was going, but anyway, there's not really no bet. He's six to four, and he's kind of seven to four in places as well I can see that being a good price because he will go off on he is an odds on shot isn't he he is an odds on yeah. shot realistically yeah you know like he'll, he'll go off odds on on the day so I could see why somebody would would do that but his jumping even for for this race would kind of concern me uh, it looks like Jinto's going here as well so like once we know what's running here this race is going to be a cracker I just think in my heart of hearts that I got, I will be backing. I believe journey with me, but I'll do it on the day because four to one at the moment. That's going to drift. Like once Jinto is declared properly, once Sir Gerhard is declared properly, they'll be they'll be one and two, and then journey with me will probably be six to one. I'd say on the day. Um, now the Henry de Bromhead stable, if they fancy him, will smash them up. But I think a journey with me will be overly criticised for that last performance when it was an educational day, just like it was for John Bon at um at Haydock. So he will be my bet, but definitely not at this juncture there. Very good, interesting stuff there from Dermot Nolan as always. And we'll just we'll wrap up before before we take a quick break. Um, it's sort of the ugly little brother of the uh, of the of the novice hurdles to Cheltenham. It's the one that nobody really likes. Is the the Albert Bartlett novice hurdles? Certainly from a, a punter's perspective, it's been a bit of a nightmare down through the years. With a very little respite, uh, tends to be quite a large double digit price winner that nobody seems to find. Uh, it's it's generally actually funny. It is it is usually the race over the book. You start to to get a few quid back after maybe a horrific uh, Wednesday Thursday, but. We will speak about it all the same. And uh, Dermo, I'm going to stick with you. Um, same question applies. Do you have a fancy at this point? Is is there a bet in the race? Again, probably a few horses within the uh, Ballymore betting that could step up here and might be even more likely to run here. But uh, what are your thoughts? Um, so I put up on Twitter last night, uh, Chartreuse at uh, 33 to 1. Um, now it's running exactly at this current moment. Chantreuse even, sorry, is running at this exact moment. Now it's 18 to 1 now running our bet there with uh, with fans bet. Um, there's, there was kind of money overnight, but again, I, I, it wouldn't take an awful lot, you wouldn't imagine, to uh, to move the anti-post market this far out for a race like the anti- Not uh, when you're back, I'm there, fiber from you now, it's in the prices tumbling. <laughs> But uh, I think if Gordon Eddie's ever going to win it, it's this year. You know, he, he like he's had some brilliant horses in this race. But if Jinto does go to the Ballymore and he he kind of sticks with Crooner and um, Hollow Games, it does show kind of what he thinks of them. Because Manelica Cooner is a horse that I love, obviously. It uh, was brilliant 
a leper sound for me, but I'd be worried about his his staying journey with me. Looks like he's going for the Albert Bartlett. Like Manella Crooner again is another one who could short significantly. His jumping would be my concern, but again on the course that obviously they run on um, the old course, he won't be. He'd be fine, absolutely fine altogether. Uh, he really will be. So like Manella Crooner is the exact fair favorite. I really like. Chantreuse, um, I think he's one of the, the kind of the few horses who managed to win um, when Gordon, when Henry de Bromwich's horses were just, they were like literally awful. They were just out in their ear. Um, and he was one of the few ones that was, that was kind of able to do it. So it's um, to be able to do that on the new course, sorry, um, it'd be absolutely fine. So Manella Crooner's jumping might not be as big an issue at Cheltenham, uh, but you've, you've still got a good few, few behind him so chantreuse depending on uh, how, how this race at uh at clomel goes uh would be my each way look at the race if he doesn't run well i will be looking for an each way angle because there is flaws with all the horses up the front so it's a race that is completely up in the air darren and it's um it's one where i'm convinced there's value but i'm just not quite sure exactly where yet Okay, dokie listeners, if you hear any uh, strange noises in the background, they're approaching their final circuit there in Clonmel with Chantreuse, and that'll be Dermot Nolan uh, making grunting noises at the television, so please forgive him that. Uh, Paddy, we'll move on to you for uh, for the Albert Bartlett. I'd have to hold the hands up here and say, like, if I had a nice novice hurdler, I'd sooner run them in the King's Stand than the Albert Bartlett novice hurdler, to be fully honest. I think it absolutely makes bits and pieces of horses, but... Uh, what, do you re- what do you think of the race? You've, you've had a look at it. Do you fancy one maybe at a bigger price? Certainly trends will tell you that's the way to go if you're a believer in trends um or do you fancy one near the top of the market well i think this is it is a little bit of a bookie's benefit i think they rub their hands at a race like this um you know i'm a big fan of what do you want i hope he goes here because i just think he without being top class this horse he really stays he's a little bit of a slugger um and if the ground turns up reasonable i want to see him go the further the better so I'm hoping that they declare him for the Albert Bartlett. And because at the minute, it looks like there's such strength and depth in there. He's round about 20s. He, he, he's great value. For me in the Lawlers, I thought they rode him for a bit of boot and it just didn't work out. This horse, I know he's won a bumper, but he isn't a quick horse. He's nothing flash. He's a bit of a grinder. Um, So I would be more than happy to see him go here. And, and I do think he would leave that Lawlers run behind him because he's just, for me fallen slightly short of being at the top end when he's down in trip but when it comes to a real test i think you might you might see the best of him so he'd probably do for me at round about 20s yeah i suppose the concern there being they might want to run their own race with him but i suppose with the non-runner no bet that you get with fans bet that's of no concern so i suppose we've covered the, the novice hurdles there gentlemen i'm just going to come to each of you for one sort of if you had to pick one selection from one of the races that that, that would be your most confident pick and we'll take a quick break then and Dermo, I'll go to you so from from the novice hurdlers which one excites you most or which one which one do you really think that if, if you were going to back one that punter should get in behind at this exact moment darren it will be uh mighty potter in the supreme. mighty potter in the supreme i'll ask the same question to you paddy just one from the three novice hurdles that that really gets you jiggy gets you going uh, Manella Cocooner for me, Darren, I just thought he'd done enough wrong at Leopardstown to get himself beat. The fact that he still won so well, I think there could be an awful, awful engine in there. 
Very good. Okie dokie. Well, look, with that, we will take a quick break and we'll be back after the break then to cover all the ITV races from this weekend with thanks, as always, to FansBet. You're listening to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Good afternoon and welcome back to the uh, Race Hour podcast with thanks as always to bookmakers.co.uk and our sponsors Fansbet. We've covered the weekend's action, last weekend's action, and we've covered the novice herders of Cheltenham already in this podcast. So we're going to take a quick look at the weekend's action. And we're very lucky again to have Paddy Aspel in the chair beside us after his excellent form last weekend. And Dermot Nolan is usually good for a winner as well. So we're going to head to Ascot first, where the uh, where the weather forecast isn't the most promising. I think we could be looking at heavy ground, if, if, if not particularly soft ground. And the first race we're going to take a look at is the Reynoldstown Chase, where does he know is the nine to four favorite for Kim Bailey with fans bet annual Invictus then is 10 to three Cora Grambler's 10 to three Dian Breed mentioned by Paddy on the podcast last weekend actually is nine to two Fernhill is 15 to two and Jaffois rounds them out at 12 to one and what's a small but competitive field and Paddy I'm going to come to you first what did you make of this race well I suppose I can't go against me old mate now can I Dian Breed interesting you know it's not exactly five minutes down the road for Sandy Thompson to take him to Ascot on Saturday. I just think, you know, he's so low mileage, this fella, Darren, you know, and I do like his profile. Good stiff track like Ascot won't pose any problems to this fella. Uh, I think he's priced up accordingly because he does lack the little bit of experience. But for a seven-year-old, a big fan of the sire, and we've only seen him over fences on three occasions, a win in a place. So very, very difficult to knock him. I'm just hoping there's a bit of pace on up on the front end, which I think there will be. Interesting that Fernhill turns up here, having been a, a non-runner at the weekend. He could be interesting for Ben Case as well. Um, but I'll stick with Diane Breed. Yeah, it maybe looks like a bit of a prep, and he does lack the experience of some of these. But on the book, he's not a million miles behind him, Diane Breed, and just could be open to a bit more improvement if there's a bit of gallop on early doors. Absolutely, yeah. If it turns into a stamina test, as we said last week, he is one you can be pretty sure will not stop. Dermo, do you have the same view as Paddy, or what did you make of the race yourself? Yeah, I'd say this will develop into somewhat of a um, of a stamina test. I'd say, does he know, etc. Will will really try and make this into a very tough one. That that's kind of all uh, at times. David Bass does does kind of know what to do, so he he'll definitely go for it and. The likes of Diane Breed could definitely pick this up. Like like Corat Rambler, like I like Lucinda Russell is so shrewd, but I find this very odd to go for a race like this of 140. Now, in fairness, it might just be that this is a weak grade too, and it's not all about kind of winning a big handicap, but just just very decent pots to be to be won as well through throughout the season. But look, um, that's the way it goes. Even finishing too close of a second here could really destroy a mark. Uh, but no, I agree with Paddy. Uh, Sandy Thompson is as shrewd as they come, and uh, Diane Breed in a race like this, that isn't the best race now in the world. You know, a lot of these were kind of put up for handicaps by, by, by a few shrewdies at, uh, at Cheltenham. So that, that would tell you all that you need to know about this grade two. But uh, I would definitely be on the one that, that maybe has a bit more upside with him. And that is, is Diane Breed. 
Very good. So Dying Breed for the two lads. For what it's worth, I actually have one of my strongest fancies of the weekend in this race in, in annual Invictus. So I think the step up to three miles is going to suit absolutely perfect. I'd encourage anyone to go back and look at this last one at Plumpton. Now, look, it's it's hardly uh, splitting the Adam spot on this, but the run in at Plumpton is about two furlongs long. Paddy, you might correct me on that. Uh, Turner for home, this lad had 20 lengths to find and a fence to make up. And at the line, he was uh, only beaten two lengths. Uh, so he's given plenty to do. I think the step up and trip would suit him absolutely perfectly. And being by Ma- by Maller, he should be fine on any sort of soft ground and his back form suggests that here. So we shall see interesting race for despite the small field coming up. We then move on to Haydock, where we have the Rendlesham hurdle. And we're looking at pretty soft ground here again, gentlemen. Another small field where Thomas Darby heads the bet in the fans bet at 74. Molly Ali's wishes then is 9 to 4. Third win for Huey Morrison, an informed trainer, 4 to 1. Top field Ben, 13 to 2, reverting to Hurdles again after his win at Linkfield Million Weekend. Emma Thomas, 10 to 1, reposes Top field Ben and Holdstone. Rounds them out at 12 to 1. And Durham, I'm going to come to you first this time. What way did you see this race unfolding? This is going to be desperate stuff, uh, like really, really desperate stuff. Um, I'm not sure. The, the, the race at Newbury that Thomas Darby won, he kind of picked it up. and But I'm not sure how much he wants this now. You know, soft ground, like this is going to be one hell of a battle for him. Three miles and a half a furlong, like like he was, I, yeah, I just, I'm not sure how much I like him for, for this kind of a thing. Like he was seen off last year by McFabulous over two miles five on soft ground as much as he, it's not that he doesn't like soft ground. I'm just not sure about him for a trip this kind of dramatic. So a horse who's been there and done it recently uh, over the strip. I know he's 10 years old, but he's he's the heart of a line. And he was very good at Lingfield. I, like, I think Topfield Ben is well worth another go on this, especially getting weight from from Thomas Darby and third, third wind. He's a terrific jumper and he'll just stay all day. And sometimes that's enough to win these races. Third wind, he's higher in the weights than he was last year. Uh, Molly Ollie's wishes, she's she's very good, but again, I, I just I like something a bit tougher. And I, I, you don't get tougher than Topville Ben, who holds Emmeton on that running. And I just think at these odds here of um that he is, he's a very decent bet. He could even be an each way bet in the day, uh, to finish in the first two, because he's one of the few that I think will definitely not be stopping. And uh, uh with the the ground as it will be, uh Topville Ben for me. Happy days, Topville Ben for Dermo. Paddy, are you going to be in agreement with Dermo again here, or, or did you take a different view on the race? Well, I just think maybe Molly Ollie's wishes, the mare down the bottom, she might just take on Topville Ben for the early lead here and eyeball him. And it's one, <coughs> it's one thing he doesn't like is Topville Ben. If he does manage to poke his nose in front for long enough, he's very, very tough to get past. But if he gets eyeball from the get-go, it could be a different show here. Connections have won a nice pot when I'm at Lingfield. Maybe they're just looking to, to get a bit of place money here. I could be wrong, but probably I would side with last year's winner here, third wind. Seen Huey Morrison and Tom O'Brien. They've been in real good nick of late. Came up to Catrick and had a good winner the other day. Just places his horses so effectively. And for me, maybe a repeat of last year's win could be on the cards. I mean, they've all got £10 plus to find with Thomas Darby, but there'll be no hiding place here, I think. If the weather forecast does arrive, this will take a bit of getting. So third win for me, who's got plenty of form at the track and in pretty bad ground. 
Yeah, I uh, wouldn't really disagree with you there, Paddy. Um, I thought uh, he, he was one of the more interesting ones. And with, with Molly's Ollie's wishes, I can't remember the last time I did a forecast in a race, but I'm, I'm, I'd be very, very sorely tempted with these two because I think they by far had the most upside going for them uh, in this race. But we will swiftly now move on to Ascot, where, bar, sorry, back to Ascot, where we have the Swindley Chase. As already discussed, the ground is going to be pretty rotten at Ascot. It's going to take some getting. And Fiddler on the Roof heads our market here 2-1. to one. Ask me early, diverted here after a sort of interrupted prep with Puddard for the Welsh National is 3-1. to one. Caribbean Boy is 6-1. to one. Cobo Lobo 9s, Fortescue 10s, Larry 10s, and it's 11s and bigger the rest. And Paddy, I am going to stick with you here and push you for a selection on the Swindley Chase on Saturday. Yeah, really, really competitive. I think Harry Fry's gelding here asked me early, very, very flashy son of ask. And for an eight-year-old, I still think plenty of rope to play with, with this fellow over fences. He's only had four starts, three wins, and he arrives here pretty rock solid is up to a mark of 139. So he's obviously got a bit more to do, but very, very likable. But although he's three pound out of the way, it's Darren, I'm going to go right down the bottom here, hold that thought for Venetia and Charlie Deutsch. Interesting that they're happy to pitch up with this Cave Tara Gelden, who he's only just turned seven-year-old, this boy. But interesting, sorry, getting back to my point, that they're happy to run three pound out of the weights. Only the one win over fences, but a couple of places from just seven starts. Charlie Deutsch, as you would expect, knows him well, and he is in receipt of weight all round. So I'm going to take the slightly fresher legs here and hold that thought right down the bottom. Hold that thought. Young legs in very heavy Ascot ground has often proved a profitable system to follow in past times. Uh, Dermot, do you agree with Paddy here? How did you see the race unfolding? Yeah, I I really liked him. I put him up for the Welsh Nationals. Uh, I'm just not sure how much this... I was. I thought the last thing I would Linkfield was there's something wrong with his breathing because again he goes, he seems to really travel and then just kind of makes a mistake and then completely loses it. Like he went from being in contention to, to losing by 33 lengths there that day. So as much as I love hold that thought and I think there is a special horse there, I'm wondering if maybe there's kind of something more there. But look, Paddy will know more, more about that than I will. Uh, I thought Caribbean boy, I think this he was only getting he was only getting going as he was winning that race the last day. Um, the handicappers only put him up four pounds for that, which I just find amazing. And this Caribbean boy for me w- would have his chance in the Grand National. And running here off this weight, getting a good chunk, getting six pounds from Fiddler on the Roof, because by the way, I didn't even speak to Dean, but I can guarantee you Dean would be absolutely pumping into Fiddler on the Roof now. He's uh, one of his favourite horses. So uh, I can hear Dean screaming from here. But Caribbean boy, um, he will definitely be kind of one of the ones there, getting six pounds, going up and trip basically like this because of the ground. I know it's the same trip, but just Ascot's nature and the ground and everything else, he'll, he will his, his reserves will definitely be kicked into. And off just four pounds higher, I think he's a great bet there. Yeah, some, he's uh, probably the beneficiary of some uh, suspect handicapping for probably not the first time this year since the, the new approach has come in from the, uh, the British handicapper. And I suppose just as a word of warning to two people, by the time this goes out, there are a couple of these who are doubly engaged, Ask Murley and Sojourn, who actually happens to be my fancy, or two of those. They're also declared for the 433 of Wincanton. So maybe just hold fire until you get a better indicator of where they might be running. We are now back to Haydock for the Grand National Trial Handicap Chase, um, where Secret Reprieve heads our market at 11-4 to 4 with Fans Bet. 
Sam Brown is 11 to 2. On card, my old friend is 13 to 2. Black Lion, 7 to 1. Bristol to my 15 to 2. Gallop and Bear, 9s. And it is 10s and bigger the rest. And Derm, I'm going to stay with you here and push you for a selection, please. Yeah, this is. Um... This is obviously a, a brilliant race. There'll be absolutely no prisoners here. So you, you do want the horse that will stay. The front two are definitely that secret reprieve, obviously, with his, his Welsh national uh, background. But I really like, uh, I actually really, really like him, is uh, Sam Brown. I think if you run that race again, he beats Royal Pagay, uh, Pagay getting all that weight. And um, Sam Brown of 149 here. Now, I know he's gone up weight in two pounds, but it's not all that much. The trainer, Anthony Honeyball, is in absolutely brilliant form as well this season and I just think Sam Brown is just the best of them now he needs to get over that run it's kind of less than a month ago but he he has shown a real appetite for Haydock now twice uh absolutely slushing up over two mile four on heavy ground at this meeting last year or sorry uh, in the January meeting last year and then obviously last time as well running really well again on soft ground at Haydock he loves the track he's on a nice weight I think there's an awful lot of upside in in Sam Brown. I know he's ten, but he doesn't quite have that a profile of a ten year old. You know, he's he's only ran was it ten times, um, and he was taught highly highly enough to kind of take on protector out there at Aintree. So off this off this weight, Darren, I, I do think Sam Brown is the should be favourite really, um, in my opinion. I think he'll take a lot of stopping. Big call there from Dermot Nolan. Sam Brown should be favourite. Paddy, I'm going to move to you. Uh, Bristol to my Paddy. Doesn't do it. Doesn't. Anytime he gets his conditions at Haydock, tends to be very hard to stop back into a handicap here. What are your thoughts? Did you did you side with him or were you, were you taking a different angle on the race? Well, I think he's all he, he's been pigeonholed, hasn't he? Bristol to my he's a, a bit of a mudlark and you know he just gallops horses into submission round Haydock, but there's no getting away from that course record, lads. You know, I mean, five wins from seven starts and, and Nigel Twiston and Sam are happy to give away nine pound plus to the whole field here and you know he arrives here off the back of of an okay run it's difficult to be against him despite you know his advancing years he's 11 now but I was going to go for one at a, at a, at a bit of a, a, a bigger price here for Ben Clark's nine-year-old the galloping bear now this is it's a rare, strange sort of route because he actually comes from the British point-to-point in ranks but he he was picked up for sixteen grand as a four-year-old, an absolute snip by connections. But they've done his wind. He's three from three over fences under rules. And although he is nine-year-olds, you've got to say he hasn't had a hard life, this son of Shantou. He is up to 140, but I think since they popped this tongue tie on, I think they've got a fair racehorse on their hands. Um, and even a couple of starts back when he did end up on the floor, you know, Ben Jones had yet to really set about him and ask him for his effort. So you know, from a very small stable, he's going to be a bit of a price there. And this certainly is going to take an awful lot of getting, but plenty of course form on offer here with several of these black line as well, who's been so well trained by Dan Skelton. But I'll take the um, galloping bear for me off a mark of 140. The Galloping Bear for Paddy Aspel at a lovely price for anyone who feels like following him in. For what it's worth, I am going to stick with my old pal in card. Uh, I think I said in this podcast before, he's been a, a long-term Grand National project for me since his novice hurdle days. And while this year might just be a year too early at eight years of age, his, uh, his course form for me is very hard to ignore. Uh, being remastered here the last time by uh, by 10 lengths, pretty much as he liked on, on similar under similar conditions. So, 
I, uh, I, I'm loath to abandon him at this point, but we shall see. Uh, we go back to Ascot now for the three o'clock. It's the Dingley's Promise Handicap Hurdle, where good risk at all looks to sort of maybe put right a couple of wrongs since his uh, since he started uh, hurdling from his bumper days. Um, probably been a small bit disappointing, but he leads the field here as the seven to four favorite with fans bet. Captain Mathan then for Paul Nichols is four to one. Zaconi Rebel 11 to 2, Highway 102 9s, Bally 10s, Piccadilly Lily is 10 to 1, and then it is 12s and figure the rest after that. So, Paddy, I'm going to come straight back to you. What way did you see this race unfolding? Is good risk at all ridiculously short, or is he a handicapped good thing waiting to happen? Well, it's a cracking contest for sure. Um, there's one or two in here you'd, you'd get the impression are, are maybe a little bit of prep is going on. Um, but good risk at all. He'd be if he's got a fair lofty rating for a maiden hurdler, hasn't he? One two seven, but not really sure he's been doing an awful lot wrong. Obviously, he looked pretty smart in his bumpers, and he's in very good hands. As Sam Thomas, he's had plenty of luck um, for the Walters Plantar recruits that he's got, and he's only a six year old. This boy, so I think he's a worthy favourite. There's no doubt, but it's quite a deep race. This I was very keen on the mayor right down the bottom that Alan King has gone and got his hands on Piccadilly Lily by authorised still very very early doors did fall on her first start out in France but when I had a good look through it this morning it's pretty strong form she has run well after an absence which she's going to have to do again here 272 days since we last seen her but Sam Whaley Cohen is on board just a 10 stone four she's only turned five year old a mark of one two two despite her experience just think maybe she's got the scope for a bit more improvement than one or two of her rivals here. Piccadilly Lily then, the French import for Paddy Aspel. Jeremy Nolan, what way did you see the race go? Uh, yeah, Darren, I actually completely agreed. Um, I think that this race is is from the front down. It's just not great at all. Like I'd like, I think Reserve Tank will eventually drop himself down to a mark where he, He'll win again, but this probably isn't his ground. Christopher Woods, very interested now with Venetia Williams, but hasn't been there an awful long time. So I landed down thinking I was being very smart, but unfortunately no one's smarter than old, uh, old Paddy Aspel, unfortunately. So uh, Piccadilly Lily is uh, is the one I fancy as well here. I just think that the Alan King stable, there's there's bits of white smoke kind of emitting now um, that the, the yard is coming back. And uh, this horse is very, very interesting off this mark. And... And could be well clear of that, Mark. If there was ever any doubt that the Race Hour podcast is the hardest working racing podcast going, the pair of boys with their noses in the French form this morning to find people a winner for Saturday at Ascot is uh, is evidence, is all the evidence we need. So Piccadilly Lily for the two lads. Uh, I did actually fall down on Ballybeg for Kerry Lee, who's uh, an aborted sort of um, chasing career. Came back and won over Christmas in similar ground to this at, at Utoxter. The form of which is actually all right now is up in class here, but Darren McConville takes off a very handy £10 and just thought might go well here. Uh, we are going over to Wincanton for what's probably their star race of the year in the shape of the Kingwell Hurdle. Only four runners, but that's not to say not very competitive. We have uh, Goshen looking to go back to back after his uh, his victory the last day um, at Sandown. Uh, he's the four to five favorite here with fans bet. Adagio, who's looking to get his champion hurdle hopes back on track, is eleven to eight for the informed David Pike team. Favois then for the skeletons is twelves and Yandalabo Yan 
Denabo lad at 20 to 1 rounds them out. So, Jeremy, I'm going to stick with you here. Uh, is this a foregone conclusion for Goshen at a, a track he's won at before and a race he's won before? Or are you going to side with David Pipes? Or do you have a completely different view in the race? Uh, no, I, I, I just, you can't rely on Goshen. Um, so, I think Adagio is probably the UK's. He's he's just behind Epitant, really, isn't he? With the kind of UK's best champion hurdle chance after that big run in the Greatwood. Um, this is not a great race by any stretch of imagination. It's not one that would get me very excited. Again, I can hear Dean screaming at home because you will not find a bigger fan of Goshen than him. But look, it's a race that I'm very happy to avoid. It's a really good race. Don't get me wrong, but it's a race that I'm very happy to avoid. Um, if a gun was put to my head, I would uh, I would say that I get Adagio. We'll get the better of him, Darren. So, Adagio for Dermot Nolan in what is a, a match race without quite being a match race. Paddy, did you have a similar view to Dermot? You don't trust the uh, the almighty Goshen, or are you gonna uh, are you gonna trust Gary Moore's probably stable star? Well, I mean, Goshen did what he what he does the last day at Sandown. He just gallops the head of horses, doesn't he? And you know, I think he showed a glimmer, didn't he, at Lingfield? And you could see how annoyed Jamie Moore was with him after he thought maybe. He hung fire in behind horses, but he's just a different bracket um, going this way around Goshen. So it was good to see him back the last day. But I just think this Adagio, I know one or two Shrewdies lads that are on for the champion hurdle, they, they think that this could be the flying the Eichmann or a, a dark horse to beat the great mare. And at Cheltenham back in November, I mean, with 11 stone 12 on his back, it appeared that the Skelton's pulled off a real coup with the winner that day in the Great Wood with West Cork. I mean, I know he's disappointed since, but he's a horse, I think, who you can't go to the well with too often. But it doesn't matter because that's the day they'd plotted out for him. And unfortunately, Adagio, um, he, he had to he had to meet a bit of a, a handicapped blot that day. But he was only beaten three quarters of a length. As I've said, he has got a bit of form after an absence. He's only just turned five. I love these German-bred horses, lads. And I do think the wind up that he's had certainly hasn't gone amiss at all so Adagio for me he's just more of an up-and-comer but he's going to bump into a real battle-hardened gush in here so he's not going to go down fighting but at round about 15 days I thought he was maybe a bit of a better bet but looking forward to this one it could be a real tear-up yeah good race probably on the cards indeed uh, for what it's worth uh, it's not Dean Ryan pulling the strings here but I actually do think Goshen's a Pretty good bet at four to five. I just, I, I think once he when he gets his conditions, I, I think he's actually a more solid horse than he's given credit for. Right handed on pretty soft ground at a track he's won at before, where he can get his own way in front. I think is pretty much up his street. So, uh, might need to hold my nose putting the money down, but I reckon I might have a few quid on him if he trips to Redeans <laughs> at the weekend. And we're going to wrap up, lads, with the star race of the weekend. It's the Betfair Ascot Chase at a 25, 15, 3.35 sorry, at Ascot on Saturday, where, unsurprisingly, an Irish Raider heads the market here for this grade one in the shape of Fakir Duderis. And with fans bet, he is the 5-2 to two favourite ahead of St. Calvados at 4-1, to one, Mr. Fisher at 4-1, to one, Fanny and Desterville 9-2, to two, <clears throat> excuse me, Dasha Drasher 11-2, Lost in translation tens with Mason twenty two to one and two for gold rounds them out at twenty five to one. So Paddy for our uh, our star race the weekend. What did you see happening here? Yeah, cracking contest. Fair play to Joshua Bryan. He appears to have got Fakir Dudery back to his best lads. So just he wasn't jocked up earlier, but Mark Walsh is coming over 
to take the ride and really very difficult to rule any of these out. I mean, if two for goal is going to be your outsider, the lot seeking the hat trick here, um, you know, it just shows the strength and depth that we're dealing with on Saturday. But I think on his day, Dashiell Drasher, although he's not always an easy watch because he can get a little bit low at his fences, he's a bit of a bull and he likes to run at his fences a bit and take them on. So if you are in it at, at skimpy odds in the past, he isn't always a comfortable watch, but at round about 11 to 2, 6 to 1 on Saturday, I think he's a horse with such a good course record at Ascot. He doesn't shirk a battle, Dashiell Drasher. And that's one thing you've got to say he's got in his armour. And I think Jeremy Scott has done a great great job of training this horse. They reverted back to hurdles, didn't they, a couple of starts ago. And I thought he absolutely smashed him from the front end at Newbury. And yeah, look, he lost out on a very tight battle behind two for goals the last day. But I think back on his stamping ground at Ascot. Could be a different story here with Dashiell Drasher, but of the eight runners, I wouldn't like to rule any of them out because, as I mentioned, two for goal, the outsider, and waiting patiently if things ever click for him and Christian Williams. He's an uber-talented horse, but I'm going to take the form in the book here and stick with the top horse, Dashiell Drasher. Dashiell Drasher for Paddy Aspel, Dermot Nolan. Are you in agreement, or did you see this going a different way? Yeah, I, I this race is is actually a brilliant race, and it's uh, it's been another top class race that the uh, this year's jump season has has thrown up because there's an awful lot of people that would have you believe that it's uh, it's nothing but shite jump season always. But it's um, again we've had plenty of clashes this year, and this is another one. Joseph O'Brien bringing Facker Dudery over to take on Fenya Desterval and Saint Caleb. It, it, it's a proper race. Um, Facker Dudery has been brilliant. I'm just yeah, I just kind of. I always struggle to know exactly how good he is. Um, I thought at Christmas time, St. Calvados showed that he he is really well in himself. It was just unfortunately, and you have to feel for Gavin Sheen, he lost the ride since. Um, it was just a bad ride on the day. There, there is no ways around it. I, I feel for Gavin Sheen because he's a brilliant jockey and he's, he's lost that job on account of it. And that's always a tough thing to see. But Harry Calton takes over. Look, that is, a, that, that is, in my opinion, a jockey upgrade. And Paul Nichols and Harry Whitcomb, that is a trainer upgrade the fact that the the Ryanair would usually have been this horse's target and the fact that Paul Nichols has has said no we're going to target this race early that's a big sign of things so St. Cavados for me the form is is in the bank he just looks so well in himself at Christmas Darren that if he gets back to that form back over this trip which definitely suits him a lot more I think his price is is a really good price and he'd be one that I'd be I'd be quite confident about this weekend there St. Calvados without the uh, the penalty of Gavin Sheehan in the plate as far as Paul Nichols is concerned he did a job to get him out after his uh, we'll call it a premature uh, I won't use the words in my head but uh, he went for it a bit early at the week, uh, over yeah, Christmas time so it's a question of two is the one one bad ride uh, Sheehan's done very he's done very well for those owners so yeah it, it just struck me as harsh but look you don't get to where Paul Nichols is without being a bit cold do you? That's it well listen the, the, the litany of stable jockeys that have come and come and gone through uh, through Ditchett will tell you that uh, some yeah. successful before and after so look that's just, just the way it is it's a doggy dog game so that was St. Calvados in the Betfair Ascot chase for Dermot Nolan I happen to think I thought it was, if Akadudri was ever going to win another red one I thought this is as good a chance as he'll get, certainly easier than Anthony will get at home. But uh, we shall see how it goes. So before we move on to the naps, lads, uh, Paddy, I'll come to you first. Anything else you fancied this weekend? And you can give me your nap as well, actually, while you're at it. Well, nap-wise, I was going to go to 
Ascot, Darren, and it was one of the, to say it is a nap, it's at a bit of a price, but I've watched this horse on a couple of occasions. A horse called Atacan of Colin Tizard's. He runs in the 10 past four at Ascot, and although he's yet to win over hurdles, he still remains a maiden. At plumped in the last day, bumped into Dynamite Kentucky of uh, a, a price of, of nine to one. He did that off a mark of 106. Now, the handicapper's only given him a pound for that. But the yards still run along in real, real good nick. But the fact of the matter is, uh, he's my selection because this is a better race. I think they'll take him further up the track. I know Dynamite Kentucky got beat the other day at Plumpton again. But I think he bumped into a revitalised character that day. And with better horses around him that can take Brendan a bit further up the track here, I think he could actually shed the maiden tag in probably the best race that he's contested so far Atticon. he's got a lovely page he's by Sindar out of a Barathea mare so I think there's races to be won with this French bred six year old so Atacan for me in the 10 past four at Ascot Atacan I'd say write that one down race our listeners the form that Paddy Aspen's in you'd be loath to oppose one of his naps so that's Atacan in the 10 past four for a, for a, a Brendan Powell and Colin Tizard who are going particularly well at the moment so Fingers crossed they can get the business done here again for Paddy. And Dermot, we'll move on to you. Anything else you fancy over the course of the weekend? And you can throw your nap out to the listeners while you're at it. Yeah, of course, Darren. Yeah, no, not really a whole pile. Like, it's a quality weekend now. Um, I, there's, I got onto my nap in a minute, who we haven't mentioned, but like, it's the Red Mills chases on Saturday as well at Gorham Park. And that's, you know, that's Mellon against Chatham Street Lad. Um, the way Melon's shaping up to me, he wants further than this, so I would be taking him on there with uh, with Shadham Street Lad at eleven to two. Um, I think Melon now the fact that, that he's in a national, I think that makes a lot of sense. He he was he looked like three miles at Christmas wasn't short enough for him. Um, so uh, I don't think he wants this trip at all. Um, and then but my nap of the whole weekend is I can't quite get over. Uh, there's four to one in a place, but I'd imagine he'll be. He'd be shorter. That that's probably a rick. He'd be five to two or so. But it, it's Quilixios in the Red Mills hurdle. Um, I thought at Christmas he was he was the best horse in that race. But Tiopu beat him, and I just think that uh, he like a lot of Henry the Promise. He just fell in a hole after the last, and it wasn't the best ride in the world from Dara O'Keefe either. Um, but Quilixios for me, he's he's the best of these. I know he's to give two pounds to Tiopu and four pounds to Saldir, which definitely won't be an easy task. He, He's another quality horse, but I think Quilixios is the one who I would have down to hit the frame in a champion hurdle. Um, I think he is the best of these. He has Rachel Blackmore back on, and Henry de Bromwich's horses are in much, much better form, as as we saw there, because the, the horse we mentioned in the first half of the show, Darren Chantreuse, he did go and win, so he's a 12-1, to 14-1 shot now after uh, for the for the Albert Bartlett. But Quilixios, uh, for me, Darren, is my nap of the weekend on Saturday in the 220 at Goran Park. So we've got Calixios for Dermot Nolan and Atacan for Paddy Aspel as the naps. And uh, for what it's worth, my nap at the weekend did happen to come in the 150 at Ascot, where I thought that um, I thought the, the, the Gordon horse uh, against Doyen Breed, uh, annual Invictus, would be very difficult to beat. So that's the 150 at Ascot. So there's your three and naps. Again, Darren, just before, and again, Darren, just before we wrap up as well, just for our UK listeners, as well, don't forget to get stuck into that fans bet £250 uh, free-to-play game every single week. And this week, you just have to find the winner of the 150 at Ascot, the 240 at Haydock, and the 335 at Ascot 
on Saturday. Check out the race our Twitter page and we'll have all those all those details live there for you. And on Sunday again we'll have the chance to win fifty pound in free bets as always. As well there. Absolute hell of an offer from fans bet as always. And then maybe just for the Irish listeners, Darma, before we finish up, uh, do you want to give a quick plug to the Chetland preview night that's upcoming in the GOAT uh, for, for the race hour, the annual one back in person this year? Back in person this year, thank God, yeah, on the second of March. Um so again we've at the moment we're we are full. We will endeavour to try and get everyone who registered an interest. I'll take it to the night, but just unfortunately at the moment we are over oversubscribed. Um but it's uh should we great crack the same panel as always, Darren? And it's it's uh, going to be recorded and all anyway. So people will be able to watch it anyway, even if they can't get in. And that's it exactly all over YouTube and everything else as always. So we'll have Mikey Fogarty talking his stuff, and we'll have Dan Overall representing uh, fans bet as well. So it's uh, it should be a fantastic viewing as always. Hopefully, Darren. Brilliant stuff. Looking forward to that myself uh, as a guest in the crowd. It should be an absolutely brilliant night. So with that, we will wrap up this week's race hour with thanks as always to Bookmakers.co.uk and to fans bet and a special thank you of course to Dermot Nolan and to Paddy Aspel uh, Dean Ryan will be back in the host chair next week I'm sure you'll all be delighted to hear but apart from that have a great weekend happy punting and we will talk to you all later you've been listening to the race hour brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk your best bet for tips news and bookmaker reviews